Welcome to the Construction Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Campbell, and with me, like he is every week, my brother, Eddie Campbell. What's up, Tyler? That much, Eddie. Well, we got an awesome show for you today. We're going to be talking to Mr. Brian Kaplan, and he is going to teach us how to be like Yoda. So, you All right, so we have been experiencing Zoom calls who have left and right lately. So we figured we would go over some of the stereotypes. Well, one is that it is only a Zoom call. It is only a Zoom call. And not one of the myriad of other <laughs> types of calls. I literally didn't know what a Zoom call was more than like, I don't know, eight months ago. I'm pretty sure nobody did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like Zoom. Have you seen Everybody their Zooms? Have you seen their stock? I have not. Uh, my Lord, it's gone up like 150 to 200 uh, percent over the past been. month. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> everybody. And oh, funnier than that. Everybody thought they were in investing in Zoom. But in reality, there's another thing out there that's kind of close to it in the market. And so people were investing in the wrong in the wrong company. Oh, no. Like throwing <laughs> thousands of dollars, not at Zoom, but at this other company that's like ZM or something. I can't remember. But yeah. Like, oh, I'm totally going like, oh, to make it. Crap. I'm hitting big. I'm going to make bank. And it's just stayed stagnant the whole time. And they've just invested in the wrong thing. That sucks. It really does suck. So. Find right. a good financial advisor is lesson number one with the construction brothers. <laughs> yeah, find a good financial <laughs> advisor for sure. That's I think it's just good advice all the way around. <laughs> so I had an experience last week that made me really think of this topic for today. And uh, then we just started riffing on it. And this just kind of grew into its own thing. But my wife went to go get groceries and I was supposed to be on a Zoom call at 11 and I forgot about it. And so I was watching our daughter who was napping at the time. But of course, 10 minutes before the call starts, she wakes up and I'm holding her in the rocking chair and I get a notification in my, on my phone that says, hey, Zoom call in five minutes with Todd. I'm like, oh, crap. I remember this well because you totally <laughs> called me like, can you bail me out? <laughs> and I was like, no, I nope. <laughs> and so... I am taking this call with my daughter on my lap and she was cool. She was chill. She didn't do anything. I just gave her some goldfish and man, she was, she was happy as a lark. I was talking to a guy this last week and, um, you know, kind of blew my mind, but he was talking about how, uh, you know, different people are good with kids. Yeah. And not good with kids. Like some people are pretty appalled by you allowing something like that to happen. So uh, in your instance, you had somebody that also had kids. Y'all, y'all totally it's, cool. it's all good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for the person that is, uh, you know, living downtown, with just a dog and doesn't really like kids, it doesn't go over as well. And so, um, yeah. So, so a dog barks and they're like, oh, what kind of dog oh, do you have? puppy. Puppy. And the kid walks in. They're like, get out of here, get, Satan. Get that vermin out of here. <laughs> Don't you have a kennel for that thing? 
Oh, it's wrong. Oh, but then we so started wrong. on the stereotypes. Yes. Path and trying to figure out like which one of the stereotypes have actually happened to us on mm-hmm. Zoom meetings recently. Oh, yeah. I only heard of the, the kid dog thing. And I don't know that that's as big a stereotype, but the, uh, the Zoom in shorts. So we have had this. <laughs> yes. We had one of our people show up for the Zoom in shorts. Oh, my God. So <laughs> as you recall, Jeff, yeah. Jeff did that one. Oh my God. <laughs> Straight up dress, shirt, and tie. And then, yeah, just kind of. <laughs> it's amazing. Kick, kicking in the jams. <laughs> kicking in the jams. <laughs> Is that what you 90s kids call it? Kicking in the jams? Dude, you don't remember jams. Like, we talking like jock jams or like what? <laughs> no, there were actual shorts named jams. And there was another oh. like version of them. They were kind of like a, almost like a Hawaiian thing. Wow. I feel like a real millennial right now. Yeah, and then they had clam diggers, and the clam diggers went down. They were basically like capris for dudes. It's eighties, man. That's that's just a bad name for something. Clam just diggers, in, just in general, yes. That, no, they were literally for going out and like you know not getting the bottom of your pants wet. So what about <laughs> the forgetting of a screen share? This one happened to our dad. Yeah, this was this is almost like a classic story around the office. It's awesome. Dad's on the phone with one of our customers. I mean, this is probably six years ago. It was our biggest customer at the time, too. Yeah. And by far. I mean, six years ago, video meetings are happening. Screen shares are happening, but not like they are right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it, this was like, oh, you know, do you have screen share software? Like everybody's got it now. But at that point, it was like. Can, can you use yours? And so, you know, dad's showing up um, with like go to meeting and no, dad's dad's on and uh, he's like, you know, showing a model of the building that, that we're working on and like we're going through construction stuff and then the talk starts and then I guess dad's mind starts wandering. He just kind of lost interest. Well, at one point, like dad had had this great idea and the PM's like, you get three thousand extra dollars just because you you did awesome <laughs> on this call. It's like, oh sweet, you know. Then moments later, the guy catches dad going down to the taskbar to click on Facebook, <laughs> and he's like, "Never mind, you're not getting it anymore." <laughs> that one's awesome. Man, that's a that's an expensive uh, explorer open right there. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I have had the thing happen where I am on with my screen shared Mm -hmm. and you shut the meeting down. Dude, I get worried every time. But you don't really like, you forget. You forget to log out. Yeah. You forget your screen shared and you kind of just go about business Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh shoot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it doesn't really happen to me. It hasn't happened to me. I'm going to knock on wood here before this happens too. Just, just saying. I always just get really paranoid after sharing my screen. I'm like, oh, they're still following me. They're still following me. And every time I like, I'll go to Facebook or I'll go to LinkedIn or something like that, or even go check my email to write an email like, yeah, I was in this stupid meeting with, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't do that. I saw that every time. I saw that one on Dude Perfect the other day. The guy's like muted. Yeah. That's another one is the mute. And you're so you're like, you're talking along and you're muted. Yeah. And I was like, 
I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> on mute. Yeah, you're on mute. And so you like unmute. We had that happen in our meeting the other day too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the but the opposite side of it was like the guy talking trash about his boss yeah. when he thinks he's muted, like uh, going the other direction. So thinks he muted it, drops well, off, just starts talking trash. It's awesome. Well, I have one and I think everybody in the industry is, has experienced this one at one point. It's the one person that calls in while they're on the on the road. Yep. And you hear the road noise just in the background. The that well, you always thing. know when they come off mute. It's so terrible. You always know when they got to chime in, it's I, like, I you hate know, that so much. Here's old Jim. He's coming in. <laughs> hey, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what, Jim? What? What did you say? Yeah, but he's always shouting too, right? Yeah, well, you got to shout over the wind. Yeah. Hey, yeah, so I was thinking um, maybe we should move that beam out of the pool. But I don't know. Good just, idea. Because you know, I, I can't see it. I was a good idea. It's <laughs> like, all right, cool. Thanks, man. So what about the time zone issues? Oh, my gosh. Here's one that I experienced this last week. Hooking up with a guy on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And we were like, hey, we we're going to talk 9 o'clock Eastern. Right? Well, guess what it is now? Is it Eastern Standard Time? No, it is not Eastern Standard Time. It is Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Oh. And not everybody adheres to Daylight Savings Time. That is in the Eastern Time Zone, which means you are calling an hour earlier. So rather than 9 a.m., I was calling it 8 a.m. So... There was that. Oh, sad. Yeah. Sad. I mean, we've had that happen, even scheduling uh, some interviews with the podcast. I remember when we when we first scheduled um, Marion to come on our show. She's in Australia. I just didn't compute that she was in Australia. So I was just like, yeah, you know, we'll meet at like three or, you know, something like that. And it, I'm like, no, that's not the way this works, man. Dude, I'm, I have to just plead. I am totally confused by the time zone thing. Dude, yes. And I jump on and totally let the computer do the conversion for me. Oh, because yeah. Even right now. I mean, like, did that even work? If it is Eastern Standard, right, and we're in the spring and we went to daylight savings and you spring forward. So now it's nine o'clock instead of eight. Yeah. So they would have been eight o'clock. Like, why, that are just there, why, are, why are there math equations just hovering? Do you see the head? smoke coming out of my ears right yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of worried <laughs> for our headphones. <laughs> I think you're going to blow a hole in them. What about the show up late guy? And I say show up late guy, but the, uh, you got the show up late guy. So there's the one that will show up like four or five minutes afterward. I've been this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I, this guy. I think I, everybody has. I don't know why web meetings are so much easier to forget. They're so much easier to blow off. Well, well, either that or yeah, you get caught in an update cycle or something. And then it's like, okay, please restart your computer in order for this update to take or yeah. before you can launch. You're like, please, please just let me go through. Please. That stinks. But then there's also, I'll set like notification on notification. Because I know how the day goes. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I'm going to have to be reminded of this. Yeah. I don't know how many times I'm sitting there and I've gotten the 10 minute warning. Yeah. Like, all right, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. Need to be thinking about it. But like, I can't sit still for anything. I've got to keep going. So mm-hmm. I will get my head into something. And it's amazing how 
fast. 10 minutes will go by and it's like, Oh, I was supposed to be on the meeting. And then you're five minutes late. So you're, and then you're that guy. That sounds like a personal problem to me. I know it's a very personal problem for yeah, me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't just, you know, chill. Just like learn that. to be still, man. Just, I, I just calm know. down. You don't always have to be working. I, I have to be working. Don't make me sick, Brent Darnell, on you. I will do it. Right. I will call him in a heartbeat. And this, he may or may not screen me. And this is going to be an intervention that may or may not happen because he may or may not answer your call. He probably will not answer my call or my emails. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Let's talk about Brian for a second. Let's do so Brian has been in the industry for, I think, over 20 years now, and uh, just a good dude. He loves educating people, and he has a lot of experience in sales in the residential market. Um, but, I mean, don't let the fool you. This is stuff that can be applied wholesale, right? If you're in commercial, if you're in residential, it doesn't matter. This is just good sales strategy. So we walked through relational selling as one of our points and man, just, I know it's, it's just, it just makes sense. And when you hear it, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, but we forget to do it so often. And it's as simple as just picking up the phone and, and just talking to the person, not looking for anything, but just building that relationship up, becoming friends with them and, and being genuine with that. Yeah. That was the biggest point. Biggest takeaway was, and all of these things be genuine. Yeah. I, I hate, and everyone hates somebody that just really wants to try to reach in your pocket and take a dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't really care whether the thing works when you get it. Yeah. Doesn't really care if it's a help to you. Mm-hmm. For the for the genuine salesperson, they are going to have a leg up because now you gain a reputation for being able to provide something that somebody actually needed. You become a, a go-to person. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I love the, the point that... Um, we are to be building relationships and we're also supposed to do that out of genuineness. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about Yoda and him teaching us how to be like Yoda, um, it's, you know, that's true because he talks about how Yoda is the guide, right? You know, and he guides Luke Skywalker into the way, you know, so you have to let the client be the hero of their own story. And, you know, Yoda doesn't get in the way of that. Well, we, we're bad about this. We talk about this, uh, with Brian, but man, we try to make ourselves the hero of every story figuring, well, if we're the hero of every story, well then they'll want to be with the hero. When in fact, what we need to be doing is trying to empathize with the struggles that our customer has and answer the pain points that they're struggling with. Right. And he quoted uh, Donald Miller a lot, and um, we'll link that down below as well. Um, Definitely a book to check out by Donald Miller. Just great thoughts on marketing and sales in general. Um, Man, I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly, and I thought that Brian brought a lot to the table for us to discuss. And um, he just, yeah, just all around a good dude. I was really happy that we had a chance to talk to him. Well, without further ado, here's our interview with Brian Kaplan. Well, 
Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, guys, thanks so much for uh, having me on the podcast. I know we've been chatting for uh, a couple months now. I'm happy we were able to sit down and do this. And uh, yeah, just quick intro about me. So I'm a Canadian carpenter turned project manager turned residential construction consultant. So I spent about 21 plus years in the construction industry, really done every position from labor all the way up to you know owning my own company as well. About 20 months ago, I decided to shift kind of what I've been doing and you know work as a consultant, help residential builders systematize their businesses, help them become more profitable, help them become more efficient. Very nice. So today we've determined that selling is what you are going to uh, bring to the agenda and teach us about. So I want to hear from you, like, what's your angle, man? Like, what's, what is different about what you would tell us about selling? Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, way back when I kind of fell into this construction business you know, my wife, well, my wife now, but girlfriend at the time had bought a house and I just kind of naturally was good at it and just kind of fell into it. And, you know, I didn't have any business training, didn't have any accounting training, and I definitely didn't have any sales training. And it's something that I've learned over the years about, you know, sort of how to do this and how do we connect with people on this kind of primal or, you know, emotional level, which will is part of what we'll talk about today in able to kind of develop a relationship with them in, you know, as opposed to kind of looking at things as a transactional relationship, you know, how do we look at this in terms of relational selling and, and really, you know, again, starting the, the starting points for a relationship and how to build upon that. So what would you suggest um, that would kind of like get us a little more focused on relational selling? Yeah. And so, you know, relational selling really is, you know, it's the process of kind of moving away from being what we would say as an order taker to kind of a relationship builder. And one of the lines that I've, you know, often used is I used to tell clients that, you know, we're really a relationship company first and construction is just something that we do. And the idea is, is that we're there to connect with people, build this relationship with them. And, you know, we always talk about the three words are like, know, and trust. I mean, I know that's four words, but there's the three key words there is like, know, and trust, right? That's what we're trying to do and establish with, you know, any client that we're working with, whether it's in residential or commercial for that matter, you know, there's stakeholders in a project and we want them to know that, you know, we're there to build a relationship or we're there to sort of stay uh, present through the whole process. And of course, you know, even after that, we're, we're trying to develop this, you know, a long lasting relationship. So relational selling is really that shift in your mindset from instead of just looking at the next project as the next project, look at it as an opportunity to build a relationship. And when you, when you take that approach, your sales cycle, your psyche, your mindset, everything starts to change and you start to, you know, recognize how you can actually better connect with people on a deeper level. I mean, it's getting a little existential here, but you know, it's, it's really kind of like, you know, how to win friends and influence people kind of, you know, ideas here that, that we're bringing into kind of the sales world. And we talk about that book a good little bit. And there's even kind of some internal debate about Dale Carnegie and, and that whole thing. And the debate is like, is this a book about manipulation? And I like to make the point, like he, he drives it home. This has to be genuine. And yeah. so that's got to be a core to this, right? I mean, relational setting as a way to work people and sell them probably doesn't work because it's not genuine. Yeah. And I think that there's, that's, it's definitely a great point. And I think there's always, yeah, different angles and perspectives on how to look at any of these books that we all read. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think some people might look at it as, is it manipulation? You know, I choose to look at it as how do I genuinely build a deeper connection with people that either I'm, you know, 
family members, friends, colleagues, um, you know, clients, that sort of thing. So this kind of is broader than just, you know, selling a residential construction client. You know, it's really about how to form sort of some deep connections. And yeah, you absolutely have to be genuine. So look, if you're not a good person, then it's going to be a problem for sure. It's going to come <laughs> off as, you know, ingenuine and, and maybe a little bit dishonest, um, so to speak. But I think generally speaking, what I can tell you, one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is there are a lot of really great humans in this industry. And I think that it's a very tough business. And I think that everybody can benefit from, you know, obviously hopping on podcasts like this, but just in general, building that community and helping each other learn. And, you know, that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm trying to build, you know, a deep connection with everybody out there and, and help to broadcast the messages and the pains and challenges that I've kind of gone through and I've learned over the years. So definitely we've got to be genuine for sure. There's, there's no question about it. Well, so maybe shifting gears a little bit, but tell us about some of the common pitfalls you see. Yeah. And I, I think the big thing that I would say, you know, when people try relational selling is, you know, it really comes from maybe a bit of lack of confidence. You know, people don't really know the process and they don't really know how to kind of walk through it. And ultimately it's not something that you sort of read a book and then all of a sudden you know, bam, you're, you know, a relational seller and you totally get it. The big thing that any of us would say, you know, from a consulting perspective about marketing and sales is you absolutely have to have a process. So there has to be a very clearly defined path from how do I take a complete stranger to a raving fan of my, of my company. And if you can't, if you don't have that mapped out, that's usually the good, like a really good first place to start because the pitfalls come in where in between all those different steps, you lose that connection with the, with your client or you're not driving at something or keeping them engaged. Right. So, you know, and there's a fine line between building a relationship and basically them losing interest in what they called you for in the first place kind of thing. So you, you definitely have to be, uh, um, pushing, you know, forward kind of thing and leading people through this, um, this maze, so to speak, um, without losing sight of the fact that, you know, there's uh, there's a relationship that you're building here. So I'm, I'm guilty of using lots of words, but never really getting to my point. One of the things that you're um, you've kind of bulleted out for us here in your notes is about messaging, right. Yeah. And, and getting that message. So how do we boil a message down and perfect that? Great question. And I, I love talking about it. So for the clients that, you know, start working with me, we, we usually start with this. And a lot of people come to me with a message that's really incoherent, difficult for them to explain to me in one sentence. I have, they have to be able to explain it to me as if I'm a six-year-old. It has to be that clear for me that this is what you do. This is who you serve. And this is how you do it kind of thing. And so it's basic exercises, but we really want to understand first and foremost, what is the why? you know, for what you do. And it's, you know, I know it's something that's wildly out there, you know, obviously Simon Sinek wrote a, a great book starting with why, and there's a, a couple great YouTube videos that he's given this speech on and really boils it down and explains how, you know, people will buy, you know, on brand, they'll buy on the why they won't buy on the how, and the how is how I think everyone really focuses their efforts. So, you know, we're kind of shifting perspectives here. I think it's a great book for anybody that hasn't seen or read it. And if you haven't seen these YouTube videos, definitely go and take a look at them. But some of the questions that he asks are, you know, kind of like, who would care if you went out of business tomorrow or stopped doing what you're doing? 
you know, would the future of the world be any different if you stop doing your work? Why do you exist? And other than for the purpose of making money, why does your business exist? These are very, you know, broad existential type questions, of course, but the idea of messaging is to really start to understand first and foremost, who you are, why you've started your company and what it is that you guys do really well and how you kind of serve that you know, that niche of people that you work for. And it's only then when you start to understand that all that you can really come up with a message. Otherwise, what the typical behavior we see is everyone just goes and finds a website of a builder that they like, and then they just kind of mimic that whole sort of theme, the messaging, the process, all that sort of thing. But it doesn't come, you know, a moment ago, we were just talking about being genuine, right? And it has to come from within you because we all have our own sort of unique selling proposition we have to kind of extract that and pull it out, put that front, right, and center for people to see and, you know, basically get them to, you know, we use it to kind of magnetize them to us. There's so much meat on the bone that we can, we can pull off of this. Going back to, you know, finding our why and, you know, finding what we're good at, how would you approach finding what you're good at? Because I feel like in a lot of cases, people have this idea of what they're good at, but they're not actually good at the thing. So how do you boil off the fat there and, and really, I mean, is it down to just what you enjoy or is it to what you're good at? You know, I think it, it has to speak to the passion, of course, that you have. So mm -hmm. if it's for residential construction, commercial construction, relationship building, whatever the core aspect of, you know, what you really enjoy, there's a passion for, that's really where it's kind of going to come from. I also like people to think about where do they want to go? you know, because we want to think about where, you know, kind of, you know, Stephen Covey would say design with the end in mind. We always want to look at what is the future result we want for ourselves, for our family, for our friends, for our employees and for our clients. And how do we sort of, you know, then of course form that roadmap to get there. And then, you know, another great point, which I know we're going to get to a little bit later, but I, I, I got to grab this one early just because it's <laughs> such a, such an important and such a valuable source of information is, you know, you mentioned how, you know, where does this come from, right? Where you might think your why is something like this, but really ultimately, sometimes we need a mirror to be able to reflect that to ourselves. And one of the greatest places that you can go to learn about yourself is your past clients current and past clients is actually talking to them and asking them, Hey, what did we do? Well, what was unique about the experience? What matched what we said at the beginning kind of thing throughout this entire experience, but what could we do better? You know, I mean, there's so many questions that we can ask there. And so one of the things that I do with people when we're going through the messaging exercises, we do something called the point of difference worksheet. And we want to basically send out, we kind of have like a standardized message and we pick a few questions and we send it out to, we make a list of all of our past clients, current clients, all that sort of thing. We send it out to those people and we try to get that feedback back from them. And then we don't edit any of it. We look at the exact words that they use, the verbiage, the way they put the phrases together, what's similar, what's dissimilar, you know, what can we really learn? And, you know, I'll tell you that as a consultant, of course, there's a lot of self-reflection on a daily basis, but as any entrepreneur should really take away from this is being able to look in the mirror and learn about yourself and learn about your business is one of the greatest ways that you can succeed in the world in general. So, you know, your clients have a lot of feedback for you and, and, you know, going to them about what's kind of your differentiator in the market is really, really key. That's a hard pill to swallow. And I, I know it is from like, just from talking with people in the industry and, and even from my own perspective, um, it's hard to admit when you're wrong. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to get that criticism back. It's hard to hear that feedback, but like you said, it's so critical. It's so important. So shifting gears. Uh, so in preparing for the interview, like you, you wrote out all of this stuff and I really gravitated towards one thing 
And yeah. uh, it, you said to be like Yoda. So yeah. what, it, what does that mean when you're talking about sales? So for, for everybody that's listening that might be familiar with Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, it's a book that I read that I just absolutely love. It, it really opened my eyes to a very different perspective in terms of not only relational selling, but just branding and positioning in your market and how you speak about your company. So it's all, of course, related to messaging and all of that. And you know, the main premise of the book, if I was to sum it up, is basically let the client be the hero of the story. Don't position yourself as the hero of the story. And so when we say be like Yoda, Yoda is the guide. That's kind of what the book talks about. It talks about how, you know, your client is the hero. The client has a problem. So there's usually like a villain involved. So maybe they have a house that's falling apart that they need to renovate or remodel, or they need to build a new house because their family's expanding or their in-laws are moving in or whatever it is. So they have a problem. And they need a guide. They need someone to, to walk them through this journey as opposed to solving the problem for them, right? Which is where I think a lot of entrepreneurs get steered to in terms of thinking of problems and solutions when you're building a business. And it's not to say that that's incorrect. It's just that this shift in positioning can really help you, you know, again, act as a guide and emotionally walk somebody through the whole process. Now, storytelling in general is such a powerful thing. We all know that it creates, um, you know, information gaps, right? When we start a story to why when you're putting your kids to bed at night, a story will just knock them out sometimes before the resolution happens, but it opens up and it gets the mind working about, okay, well, I've got this here, I've got this problem. And now they're going through this whole path. So you look at any movie, you look at any book. Once you read this book, building a story brand, it ruins every movie for you. Cause you kind of know what the plot is right before the movies even starts, starts to get going. But basically the idea is, is that you're walking somebody through this journey to the end point where they realize their outcome or their, their goal that they've been trying to achieve. And it's really the idea of letting them think they are the hero. They're the ones that actually did this. We guided them through the process. It's playing the background. You know, you're, you're sitting yeah. in the back seat and you're just saying, oh, take this turn. <laughs> you know, you're, you're guiding them. And I love that. We're really good in construction about making a hero out of ourselves. I mean, you think of yeah. the job site trailer meeting and <laughs> we've talked about this. We've before. talked about yeah. this before, but how much chest beating goes on. Yeah. I think we carry that over in marketing in, in a lot of ways. We figure if I, I look like or can convince somebody that I'm the best, they'll use me. Mm. Maybe what we're talking about here is coming at it in a much different perspective. It's more of an empathetic perspective. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think the big thing is, is we have to recognize that, you know, they buy on emotion. They don't buy on logic. And so when we look at, you know, and Donald kind of unpacks this in the book and he talks about, you know, why most companies, a lot of companies would fail and, or just become stagnant and, you know, have trouble sort of capturing or retaining market share is because they sell solutions to external problems. And so he talks about kind of the three different types of problems, which I'll break down now. So we've got our internal problems, we've got an external problems, and we've got philosophical problems. And so if I relate this to say the, the home building industry, if we have a client and perhaps this client's pregnant and they, you know, they're, they're going to have a baby in November, just say, you know, their internal problem for them is that, you know, she most likely she's feeling she needs a space that's finished, that's safe, that's clean. Um, there's a security part to it, right? That's the emotion behind everything. The external is they will tell you, oh, we have, you know, our child's due in November kind of thing. That's, that's the external problem. And then the philosophical problem is, is really, you know, and this transcends 
you know, more than just that, those two examples is kind of like, they want to be part of a bigger story. They want to be part of a brand. They want to be part of, you know, a pack of winners. So when we talk about the construction industry, nobody wants to go through an experience and feel like they got taken advantage of, or their, their house wasn't what they got in the end. And they want to be part of almost like, you know, kind of like a cult, if you will. So if you have a business owner, that's really, or a company in your area, that's really successful, people are attracted to that. Right. So that's kind of on the philosophical side, but the big key here is that we have to focus on the internal problems and that's how you get to those internal drivers is through that kind of relationship building that relational selling right is really getting down to what's behind when someone says something to you it's usually the external response they're giving you we always have to ask them hey what's actually really behind this like let's unpack this a little bit further yeah you mentioned a minute ago something that that triggered the whole reputation thing in my head right wanting to be a part of a pack of winners wanting to I mean, wanting to be associated with something that is quality, because I don't think anybody wants to just say, well, yeah, I, I bought the crappiest low cost option that I possibly could buy. <laughs> um, you know, I may, maybe we do that with some things, but our home is something we take a little pride in, right? That's, a, that's our place. Um, so what about this reputation thing? Like how, how can we manage that reputation? Yeah. And I think that's a great the last word that you used there underutilized. And I think it's one of the things that is, you know, I've seen over the years and, and I'm guilty of this as well when I was, you know, working in construction businesses and, you know, and, and running my own business as well is, you know, I mentioned how going to your clients can be an incredible wealth of information to help you learn about yourself, your company, what you guys do well, what you don't do well. And I think the, the idea that I always try to get people or impress upon people is that this is really like this unpaid sales force for you. And so if you can manage the relationship really well from the moment that they first contact you all the way through the, you know, experience of designing and then producing or production of your home or project, and then all the way through the closeout and beyond. The message I would give people is that if, if it's been, you know, a few months since you last spoke to any client, it's been too long kind of thing. And, you know, approaching this from, you know, at the beginning, you kind of asked me, Hey, how do we, how do we, you know, start this relational, relational selling type of technique? And really it comes down to our mindset thinking that we're, you, people are going to become part of your family. You know, it's kind of like I always, with every client that I work with, whatever their company name is, I kind of say it's the X, Y, you know, process, or it's the X, Y family, or it's the X, Y brand. Like we talk about it in that context that you're becoming part of the family. And so the relationship never really ends. And so when we talk about reputation management, if you approach it really at the beginning of this whole relationship that you're, you're building this relationship that's going to extend for a very long time, then ultimately it's going to provide you dividends over the course of not only the project, but then well beyond that. So anytime they're having a dinner party, anytime they're anywhere and someone mentions, Hey, I've got a remodeling project or a new house bill that I'm looking to do, or even a store outfit that I'm, I'm looking to do, you are going to be front and center in those people's minds. All right. So there's nothing worse than just busting your butt, working really hard and having like an estimate together and thinking I'm going to close this deal. And then having a customer just quit calling. And I, I want to know, like, why, why is that happening? Yeah. And, and when clients ghost you, it's so frustrating for sure. And, you know, anybody that follows me in, or if you're just getting to sort of know me through this podcast and you're going to start reading stuff I've written, I'm, um, I'm a, a large proponent of not doing 
free estimates, not doing work for free. It's a dovetail into this whole idea of relational selling. We're trying to focus on that relationship first and the bid second. And one of the big things about this is that when you're doing, when you're using relational selling, what you really always want to focus on is the future outcome for somebody, as opposed to the features of what it is that you guys are talking about. So a great example, you know, you've brought up that estimate and how it's, you know, you've busted your tail, putting it together and all of this. And then they kind of ghost you, they just disappear on you. And, you know, I think anybody listening to this that does in-person, you know, budget reviews or estimate reviews with clients knows this pain really well, where everything can be going really great. The pro maybe that you're already into a project and you're working and you're just having a budget review. This, this transcends kind of all phases of the build and all that. And you end up going down this rabbit hole in this one conversation and suddenly the, everything that's been great, you know, we always say that the client doesn't remember the 95% of everything you did well. It's just that 5% that didn't go well kind of thing. All of a sudden you land in this rabbit hole where you're, you're dissecting this one cost and this one little issue and it just completely changes the mindset for somebody, right? So it's just, it takes them way out of that, you know, sort of future uh, outcome sort of zone into this feature conversation where often money becomes a conversation inside of this, um, you know, and it just creates this tension point for people. And so it's something that everyone, you know, listening to this should really think about the next time you're going to go present something, you know, sometimes you're looking for content to actually lead through in a meeting. And I get that, but try to focus on that, that future outcome for a client and think more about their emotional drivers, their internal reasons why they're, you know, they, they have this problem try to show yourself and, you know, as the guide and the solution to their problem kind of thing and really stay out of as best you can stay out of those feature conversations. Whenever you feel it's going down that road, try to kind of veer it back to that future conversation. People want to be a part of a bigger story. They want to be a part of a brand. They want to be a part of a back of winners. And you, you want to help them understand how you've got a solid reputation and you're going to give them something more than just this build they're asking for. You're helping them um, solve that external issue they're telling you about and you're by that solving the internal thing that they're actually worried about, right? That baby's yeah. coming and they, they want to make sure that's got a good room. So yeah. we're going to act as a guide. Well, so what do we do from there? Like, how are we going to give that client a plan from there? Like, what are, what are we going to do to help them down that road? Yeah, for sure. And, and this is where we get to on people's websites. Typically it's where it says our process and it says, this is kind of what it looks like to work together. This is the pathway that we're going to walk you through. And it's super important. I mentioned it, you know, kind of at the top is you, you know, you have to absolutely have a process. It's your sales process. You have to have a process. If you don't have a process, that's the first thing you need to work on, of course. And, you know, being able to walk somebody through a complete stranger to a raving fan, of course, is, is really crucial. So, you know, we have to develop that process. We have to kind of take stock of what we're currently doing now. And an easy way for people to do this is, you know, pull out a pad of paper. You know, I use a, a organizational tool called Trello that I really love, which is just like a digital post-it note system. That's a great opportunity to just start brain, you know, brain dumping. If there's multiple people in your company, you can collaborate on the same sort of um, platform. But basically we've got to create that process. We've got to be able to give them that plan and walk them through what we expect of them them and what they, you know, can expect of us. Hey, Trello, sponsor our show. Right? <laughs> How many times I, have we I should get paid? You know, I talk about it so much and I invite every single client that works with me to Trello. I should definitely get sponsored as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. If you're listening, Trello. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. But I mean, okay, on that note, 
like they've worked through that process that you were just speaking of and yep. they've turned us into raving fans of theirs. We find yeah. value in what they provide. Yeah. So, I mean, great example. Yeah. Residential Absolutely. sales, like you mentioned, like what would they say about you uh, at a dinner party in your notes here? And it's like residential sales in particular, you just that person to person type of word of mouth that just gets out and you do get this like cult following, right? Like, yeah. oh man, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you know, if you're going to do a bathroom remodel, if you're going to have your kitchen remodeled, they're over there at the dinner party looking at your kitchen. And they're like, who did this? Who did yeah. this? And they're like, if you're going to get it done, you got to go with these guys. They were amazing. They were clean. They were, you know, respectful. They're great to do business with, came on time, you know. That's what you're looking for. That's the best sales you can get, right? I'm just having Absolutely. somebody the, say that the, for you. Yeah, for sure. It's like the, you know, we always use that metric of CPA, cost per acquisition or cost per client, right? And it's virtually zero at that point because you've made them a raving fan. They've paid you for the whole process, right? And hopefully you, you've got your numbers in check and you're well set up. So you're actually profiting on every project. But ultimately the, yeah, that, that CPA is really at zero and having that unpaid sales force is just huge. So how do you, how do you help a person get to a decision point? Like, how do you help them get to something actionable where it's like, yes, I want to move on this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we have, you know, kind of in that process where we're walking them through the process, we're helping to kind of close that story gap a little bit for them. So they understand what it's going to look like now, how I'm going to walk them through this whole process and how we're going to land at that sort of outcome. And then, you know, one of the big things is we have to call people to action. And people in general like to be told what to do. It's why, you know, detailing your process works so well because they start to understand. It's like I said a moment ago, this is what we expect of you and this is what you can expect of us kind of thing. And so usually it's about, again, it's relational selling. So you're getting that like, no, and trust, you know, you're building specifically that trust factor where they get to the point where they're like, okay, these guys have their stuff together. They have a process. They've listened first and foremost, and they've heard kind of where we're at and what our big drivers are. And they've unpacked that for us and we feel comfortable with them. And now time in the selling process to kind of go in a little bit for that close, right? It's going to call to action and saying, this is what next steps look like for us. So how do we help them avoid failure? So, I mean, first and foremost, we have to have our own process in check and we have to have all these, whether it's standard operating procedures or checklist system, financials, all of these different, you know, project management tools in check so that we can actually do what we say. And that's one of the things that I would mention is that having a process is fantastic. You absolutely need it, but you also have to be able to walk the walk. So, you know, your ability to help people avoid failure is really contingent upon how well structured you are as a company. Now, assuming that you are well structured, ultimately it's, it's about walking them through and kind of following through on everything that you say you do. And so by showing them how the process works, you know, you're, you're showing them maybe some of the pitfalls that could kind of come out uh, or come into play in the process. And one of the things I'll tell you is that clients in general really want to look at their builder as a sounding board because they have, they're getting a lot of information from a lot of different people when they're considering a remodeling or a new custom home project. Everyone's got an opinion, right? Your uncle's got an opinion. Your aunt's got an opinion. You know, even your nephew probably has an opinion who's six years old, you know? <laughs> and, and the reality is, is that I, it's not uncommon. You know, we see people, it's funny. I was talking to a client the other day and he was telling me how they've got a client right now and, and, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients and I've always kind of done this is I try to recognize what personality type people are that I'm dealing with. So if I have a client that I know is kind of like a questioner, 
that they're going to question every single thing that, you know, we ask of them, then there's a different approach that I take with this kind of thing. Cause I know, and I just have to preface it in my mind that they're going to ask every single person. So my client was telling me how they asked every single person, including him as the president at this meeting. And then they asked the framer what the framer would do. And it was something about like tile, like a tile backsplash or something, something completely unrelated to that trades, you know, sort of work. And anyways, the interesting part about it is that again, dovetailing to the sounding board part, that's what clients are really kind of looking for. And so how do we steer them clear? Well, we have to listen, we have to hear them and we have to be their sounding board, right? We have to be able to like lay out a plan for them, help them understand what it looks like to work together. We set those expectations and our call to action. And then through all of this, you put that all together and then we have to obviously live up to what we say we're going to do and be able to walk them through that without kind of stepping in those potholes. At the end of it, seems like we're just trying to help people, right? We're, we're trying to help them uh, with the problem that they have answer the answer, whatever that pain point is at the end of each interview, you know, we always love to just get the unique perspective of our guests. And so, you know, as it pertains to selling and, and you as an encourager of this industry, uh, if we gave you a megaphone that like everybody could hear, what would you say? Yeah. And it's such a tough one. You know, I've, I've been thinking about this for a little while just because there's so many great takeaways here. Um, you know, I honestly think that the, the big one for me is, you know, reading that book really kind of changed my whole perspective on how I look at sales, how I look at marketing and all of that. And it's just that subtle positioning of every time you create something, whether it's on your website, it's a, a document that you're going to give to a client, whatever it is, you're, you're building a trade show booth, just to always imagine who you're building it for and position it as speaking to them, position it for them to be the hero of the story. And, and you kind of, like you said uh, a little while ago is you're kind of in the background, right? You're there as a strong force and a guide, but you're not the one that is telling people, you know, X, Y, Z, you're guiding them through this, letting them come to their own sort of success, thinking it's on their own. Of course, you've been there the whole time, you know, kind of like Yoda was in, in the, in the star Wars trilogy. So that kind of idea, I think that that's the main message I'd like to, to kind of share with everybody today. Well, Brian, where can people find you? So there's lots of, uh, lots of spots. I'm all over a lot of the popular platforms. So it's at constructionconsulting.co on Instagram. You can search my name on LinkedIn, which is Brian with a Y and the last name's Kaplan with a K. And you can also email me, Brian at constructionconsulting.co. And then of course, no surprise, the website is constructionconsulting.co. So lots of places to find me there. Thanks for joining us today, man. Awesome guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us today. I just wanted to take a second and point you at a couple things. First things first, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Be transparent. Tell us what you think. If you want to write a small review, that would be awesome. Go check out our new website. We're really excited about it. We've got a couple cool lists on there for you guys to check out as well to show you some of our favorite things. Also, take a second, go like us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can find us at Construction Brothers Podcast. You can find links to any of our guests and any other things that we discussed in the show notes. I really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Have a great day.